Welcome to Midnight Conversations. I'm Anandan Ambikaraja. And I'm Stephen Banos. It's been a while since we've said that, eh? It sure is. Almost forgot my name. Yeah, well, that's that's sort of independent of us not doing the podcast regularly. That speaks to a broader mm. issue. <laughs> I think they're mutually exclusive. Okay. What's, uh, what's been going on? <laughs> nothing much, nothing much. Just, uh, yeah... Life, you yourself. <laughs> Anadin has one of the best looking beards I've seen. So I mean, we have, I mean, we haven't done this for for it's been a while. S- several months. It's been a while, and I'm somehow homeless, you've really. got these like grey hairs yeah, running through yeah. your beard as well. A lot's happened. A lot's happened. I'm, I'm just living on the streets out here. It's uh, yeah, the greys, the greys just emerged uh, as a function of I don't know age. No, well, we're the same age. So that doesn't really make much sense. But you look unbelievably wise oh thank you thank you mm. yeah I, I'd, I'd like to say that that's just me but uh, i'm sure the beer adds some el- element to it <laughs> but, uh, yeah. every, every time you learn something new one of your hairs turns gray is that is that how it works i think so i think so uh, <laughs> I, I think there's some correlation there that'll be the next paper that we that we talk about but speaking of paper Stephen, uh sure. you, what, what's today's paper about uh, look, it's a good question. I don't actually have the paper in, in front of me because oh, it was okay. a rush job getting set up today. <laughs> hey, but we're, we're here. Talking. We're here. No, we're, you know, I think the positivity needs to start with the fact that we're recording a podcast together. You know, it's, yes. it's been a while. So it's, it's good that we're here. Um, so I have the paper in front of me. So let, let me just uh, carry it off there. The title of today's paper <laughs> is The Architecture of the Chess Player's Brain. And it was of interest to me because I like chess. And uh, do you play chess much, Stephen? Mm. I wish I did. Oh, I've yeah. um, I've dabbled in the past. Mm. What's but, the, what um, does the dabble pretty... of chess look like? Well, mostly just online. Like I have this yeah. like crummy little AI version on my phone, like mm-hmm. an app. And then mm-hmm. I'll I'll play for ten minutes when I'm sitting on the toilet or whatever. Yeah. Oh, okay. yep. Yeah, nice. But well, you're you're quite the chess expert, are you? I didn't know well, this. I don't, I don't I don't think I'm a chess expert. I just like playing chess. I played a lot when I was younger, and then I sort of just didn't have much of an opportunity to play beyond high school or whatnot. And then recently fell back in love with it, like I think a year or two ago. And then hmm. in classic fashion, I was like, I wonder what that means about my brain. And so I found this paper <laughs> <laughs> about the brains of chess players. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that would be interesting. So I mean, it, let me. It, yeah, go on. Uh, uh, are you playing with other people with a yeah, physical I mean, board? Yeah, yeah. So there's other other people. So I play I play on like chess.com. They have a app mm. as well. It's also a website, and you go on, you play. My username is Anandin underscore Ambi. Uh, you know, if you can think of something more creative, feel free to share. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I figured it was very it was pragmatic. People could search and find me, and so um, yeah, I play. I, I've convinced since playing chess more often. I've convinced all my friends to play chess, and so I have like sort of mm. several people I play now. And and they're all the main concern most people have is oh you know I'm, I don't know if I'd be good enough to play. But th- the key thing to know is I love to win. So you know you don't have to be good. Actually, if you're not good, that's even even better. So it's, just, it's just enjoyable to win in chess. So it's a, it's a very satisfying feeling to to win in chess. But but then also on chess.com you can play. 
uh, online and, and it randomly matches you to people of similar uh, levels. And so as, as a function of that, you get matched and you play and then you get points when you win and you lose points when you lose. So you're always matched to some level. So, yeah. All right. So it's, all, so it's all, you're, you're only playing online. You're not like going down to a park blindfolded and taking on 80-year-old ethnic men. Is I it? would love to do that. I don't, right. if you can find a park in Canberra for me to do that, I'd love to. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be great. <laughs> but, if the no. park is anywhere, it's in Canberra. But anyway, <laughs> the results of the study is pretty interesting. I did have a, a, a read of it. Yeah. Let do me, you want let to me, take us through? Yeah, I'll walk you through what, how, what they did. And, and so essentially... They did, and it's a neuroimaging study, so they looked at a few different measures of the brain, sort of the size of the brain, the thickness of certain regions of the brain. We don't need to get too bogged down into here, but really, largely, they're trying to see if, is the brain getting, is it larger or is it smaller in people who play chess versus people who don't? And Mm -hmm. so they got 20 expert chess players and 20 control subjects, which are people who had never played chess before. And they looked at what the differences were in their brain region. So Stephen, what did, what would you think would be the differences here? Do you think the chess players would have bigger brain regions or smaller brain regions or would it be the same? What are your thoughts? Hmm. Okay. So I, I I would assume there are differences in the brain regions. Mm -hmm. I think that your brain is going if you get really good at anything, I think your brain is going to be different from yeah. someone that isn't good at anything. Exactly. Um, but whether it's bigger or smaller, I don't. I'm not fully versed on the correlation between size and. No, you're sort of you're on the right track. So essentially, what you're thinking is what the authors of this paper were thinking. Like the more you do something, the better you'd get at it, and so. In terms of brain research, typically people with larger brains, it's a reflection of you know better health. And so, when you, if for example, they did a study on London taxi cab drivers where they looked at the hippocampus, which is this region that's important in memory, and and they found that their hippocampus was larger than the average. And that was because they use it a lot in navigation uh, because the hippocampus is important for spatial navigation. And so Mm. similarly, they were like, okay, well, chess players, we think these regions are important. So we'll look at these regions and we'll think that maybe those regions will be bigger. And uh, they, in fact, found in this study that the brain regions of chess players uh, were smaller than the control subjects. Mm. And so quite a surprise. They didn't really know what to make of it. And it became this sort of larger discussion as to what does size really mean when it comes to the brain. Like in some ways, we often think larger brain regions, as I just explained, leads to better outcomes in health. But in in many instances, there's ways in which a smaller brain can also reflect sort of efficiency and optimized uh, brain structure and function. And so what happens is this process called like synaptic pruning, which is like the brain takes different parts of it and it gets smaller and smaller because it's becoming more efficient at a task. You could think of it as, um, say, if you're driving a car, or like you're driving manual, you, you have you, you or driving just a car in general, you go through all these checks of check your mirrors, check, uh, you, you know, your seatbelt, all, all whatnot. And but then as you become more and more experienced in that driving process, this becomes more automated and you don't actually think about it as much. And so you're pruning that system down to like just a set of key steps in the same way the brain does that with its own own structure. So that's what they think is happening. That's fascinating. So mm-hmm. when, when the brain is shrinking, is there a difference between the, whether it's the gray matter or the non gray matter that's, yeah 
changing in size? Yeah, yeah. So the, the brain is made up of gray matter and white matter, and uh, then there's just space in which fluid occupies. Like, uh, and so with the white matter is really important. It's like the wiring of the brain, and so it's sort of the connections uh, uh, that between different regions. That's all white matter, right. and gray matter is re- really where like the cellular matter is of of the cells. And so um, often when we look at things uh, such as this, like the white matter changes we see are a lot of things relating to like motor neuron disease or um, ALS. That's where you see a lot of these white matter changes, Parkinson's disease. But then when we look at more gray matter changes, that's that's really in terms of the, the what makes up most of a, of a brain region. And so like the thickness mm-hmm. of it and whatnot. And well, so that's what they're looking at here. Yeah, so so with uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. which which parts of the brain are actually shrinking or diminishing? Yeah, I mean, it depends at which stage of the disease. At the end stage, sort of, you get this global shrinkage. Also, it happens sort of everywhere. But in in Alzheimer's disease and dementias, it, it's often the gray matter that people focus on uh, that's shrinking. And they look at uh, the hippocampus initially, which is in the sort of side of your brain, just above the ear. And then that sort of expands to other parts of your brain but that's why the earliest symptoms are people forgetting things more often than they should and so yeah Mm. that's what we see there and with with this paper i thought was really interesting not only the unusual result with the brains being smaller i mean it's interesting the biases that people have in in thinking that i guess in some ways chess players you have to be academically inclined to play chess whereas you wouldn't say the same for checkers or some other games and maybe there's some level of strategy involved but chess is is a game just like any others and so whether it's fair to have the hypothesis that it would lead to larger brain volumes i don't know if that's somewhat biased by social perceptions but i i think it's a really interesting game and what was interesting to me is when we looked at in this paper the they looked at chess players versus the controls and they found that uh, they looked at the age at which they started playing chess. And so the average was 7.9 and the standard deviation was 3. But the minimum age in there was 4. So there was someone in there, right. a chess wow. expert, who started playing when he was 4 years old. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you could start early, really. I, w- so. I would have to assume that the earlier you start, the I guess the the more prevalent the changes are in the brain. Well, I think it would be better for you if you started earlier, like as so, your brain is developing. Yeah, right? th- this is one of the arguments that they had in the paper was that, well, a lot of this stuff that is occurring in terms of playing chess happens in adolescence. And adolescence is this process of synaptic pruning that I talked about earlier is it occurs a lot, especially in adolescence, when the brain sort of refining itself into um, efficiency. And so they argue that maybe because of this is why they didn't see what they expected, which was larger brain brain regions mm. in, in those areas but you know chess was uh, from my readings of it it's actually taken off uh, a lot since um the queen's gambit which is a, uh, a popular yeah. tv show and and in covid it became this thing that pe- a lot of people started playing and so you know it, 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 i the the takeaways from this paper are sort of like uh, we don't know much more <laughs> i guess mm. I, there's no it was a very niche field of looking into chess players and their brains and and so you know the relevancy of this in terms of like the implications for bettering the world it's 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 likely a reflection of the amount of literature out there on this but um yeah in any case i thought it was an interesting topic 
I did watch the Queen's Gambit. Great, I did, great yeah. show. But yeah. here's so here's here's the um the jock forward slash bully take on this. Mm. Perhaps the shrinking of the brain is actually quite bad, and so the earlier that you start playing chess, or the more that you play it, the less likely you are to be doing other more interesting things with your life, rather <laughs> <laughs> you than going out and playing footy. Yeah, at, at- lunchtime you're in the library. Yeah. Just moving these little wooden pieces around a board. Yeah, that's right. That's there right. may be something to that. You're not, you're not, and you know, funnily enough, you're not actually wrong. And this is the difficulty when it comes to these sort of studies that are correlational because we we don't know what the direction of the effect is and what the influencing factors are. And so, yeah, it's interesting to know, like, what other things could they have controlled for in their analyses to have shown that well maybe if someone's just playing chess their whole life maybe the brain is getting lower in certain regions because they're not enriching it in other activities that would like maybe social interaction or physical activity or or whatnot so Hmm. yeah well i think that that would actually be quite an easy one to to control for because you could just test the people who play chess online against the people who play chess you know, in parks and that are socializing yeah. at the same time. Yeah, that's um, a good So I'd point. be very interested to see that, that yeah, kind of study. That would be So your brain might not be shrinking at the rate of the people who are <laughs> yeah. playing with a friend. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, so I mean, Stephen, what are your takeaways? Does this uh, enthuse you to want to play chess more? Uh, initially, it did. And then I realized that I've got other things to, to do. <laughs> pretty, pretty busy at the moment. Um, yeah. But no, look, I I think at at some point I see myself getting back into it because it mm. it is just really, it is great for the brain, I believe. At least playing, you know, fairly regularly and getting to the point where you're starting to envision the like the outcome of a move like two three steps ahead. Yeah. Just being able to visualize a board and then visualize um, consequences of your actions in that way, I think certainly can't hurt. But also just um, you know, remembering what your previous steps were, mm. um, great for your working memory. Yeah, My, and mine's terrible. Yeah. Um, do you, you do you actively work on your on, on your memory. brain? In, well, in I guess situation? being an academic, it's sort of my job, and so right. I don't need to really <laughs> think of it as most people would. Like after doing a job, they'd be like, "Oh, well, let me do some more reading or whatnot." Like most of my day is reading and writing and thinking, and so um, my brain gets a good workout each day. So yes. yeah. So does mine, but then it, I never feel fully satisfied. And so I'll find myself just even watching like a TV show at night, just actively going, okay, let's recall what happened in the last three scenes. And then I'll sit there and try to summarize the last yeah, three nice. scenes and then maybe try to predict what's coming up next and like just playing these little games with my brain. Well, this is um, actually, I'm terrible at it. But, yeah. yeah. Well, this is what we, um, so when I did my teaching degree, when we were learning how to teach people how to think, future think and critically think, this is sort of the questions we would have them do. We'd have them read parts of a story. And then before reading the next chapter, we'd say, well, what do you, what's happened thus far? What do you think is going to happen next? Can you predict the outcome? And it would help students sort of think more critically about what they were reading and summarize it. So, I mean, it's great that you're doing that, but I don't know how, how, what the relationship is between that and enjoyment some people want to just watch a tv show to watch a tv show yeah look i'm certainly sacrificing enjoyment yeah 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 fair enough so um i guess at the end of the day uh, this doesn't really give me any excuse to be playing chess at the rate that i play which is like hours when i put my son down to bed well yeah when i put my son down to bed takes him like 
you know, a, a spare bit of time to get down and sit like, I'll just be on the phone just playing chess games, just playing people across the world. <laughs> so wow. I was hoping that there would be some benefit to that, but um, clearly unknown, un- yet to be determined. But life and life benefits from enjoyment of the activity, I guess. <laughs> so. is, is there any other major takeaway from this paper for you? Has it informed your view of the brain and... It yeah. it has not no it's yeah, okay. uh, it's not really informed a lot mm-hmm. but it, it what's interesting to me about this I mean I think it was interesting to see the age at which people started playing chess when they became grandmasters and whatnot but mm-hmm. I I think it it speaks to more of the difficulty when it comes to these sort of studies and many studies that we read that a look at correlational uh, relationships and so we don't know what's really causing the other from these uh, relationships and then also studies like this that aren't really they don't have enough of a sample size to control for really important factors a lot of the things you raised are really valid Stephen and they probably should have been controlled for in the study to be able to say look this relationship occurs even independent of whether or not people had these other factors like social engagement or physical activity or whatnot and so mm-hmm. um yeah, so the takeaway is is just it's an interesting study. <laughs> yeah. Well, also just that the brain is just crazy complex and Very, we really yeah. don't know all that much. Well, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's what my job is, really, trying to work out a bit more about it each day. And so, yeah, we, we yeah, in the scheme of things, in terms of other research, we there's a lot about the brain that we don't know. And so that's why more research is needed. And so at least in this context, we know a bit about its relationship in chess. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, growing oh. that knowledge base. Um, Work harder. Figure more stuff out, please. Yeah, that's it. Now, Stephen, as with yes. all of these podcasts, uh, I I never forget that the end of a podcast is the musical rendition of Stephen Manos. Oh. Uh, do we have some a musical way to play us out for today? Um, I, I'd like it to be chess-inspired as well. So if you could, like, take on the, the theme of chess in, in the musical playing, that'd be great. I was I'm not at all prepared, and my house is an absolute mess because I've been painting it. So I, I can see one instrument in the room at the Take moment, it. and get it's, it, Stephen. It's, it. it's a ukulele. So that give me, it. give me just a moment. That, keep everyone entertained while I, sure. while I retrieve it. I could keep people entertained if only this was a podcast, and I could just cut out this section of the pod and then bring it back. Stephen is running to a ukulele right now, picking it up, sitting down. I think running was a bit of an overstatement. He sort of just reached for it. Um, here he goes. Headphones are back on. Ukulele yep. in hand. He, I hope everyone was was uh, satisfied with the level of entertainment they received from Adidas. It was more me period. narrating what you were doing. Oh. <laughs> so, take it away, right. Stephen. Oh, all right. Look, I haven't played this for a while. Yeah, I, I don't hear anything. You, know, you had to hit the strings, right? Oh, wait. Look, this is this is going down as a failure, I think. Okay, but we tried. We and did try. Effort is is what counts. I, for some reason, the audio is not coming through on my end. So uh, if it's either being registered by people and not through my headphones, yeah, I mean you're bobbing your head. You're looking like you're jamming. I mean, this could all be just an elaborate prank of you just like not act- just pretending to play it. So. Well, look, here's the here's the look, ukulele. You can you've seen it. Verify it. Stephen, I think the takeaway from today it's it's almost as if when you uh don't do these podcasts regularly, we get a bit rusty. <laughs> it's almost I like think that's a you fair need takeaway. something like regular practice to get to be a bit more smooth, eh? Potentially. <laughs> yeah. Potentially. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, cool. Well, hopefully there was something that was picked up in that music and people can enjoy that. Uh, if not, uh, write in. Tell us what chess-inspired music inspires you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just send us your complaints. As always. And we- and we'll put them in the appropriate place with that. Uh, that uh, well, They'll get discarded pretty quickly. But yeah. uh, <laughs> Well, do anything else with your life. Yeah, yeah you could do that. And, and more importantly, <laughs> uh, something useful you could do with your life is recommend us topics that you'd like us to cover. So if there's anything in particular yes. you'd like us to cover, let us know. Social media is fully managed by Stephen Banos. That's been handed fully. off. And so the activity there is... <laughs> it's it's pumping. It's, it's pumping. pumping. It's, it's off there. Yeah, off the charts. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, Stephen. Sorry. this I don't know if this is really end of pod <laughs> or <laughs> conversation or if it's more after pod conversation. Let's However, do it. I was, I was speaking to a friend of mine mm-hmm. uh, who recently put some music up on Spotify and I was like, oh, that's great. And he was talking about something in relation to income and money based on number of listens. And I was like, mm. that's weird. We have a podcast and I don't I don't really know if like, I haven't seen any money come in through this based on the number of listens. But he was like, maybe you need to talk to Stephen about this because mm. there's some money being deposited somewhere. <laughs> so there is. No, I, I, yeah. I, I have looked into it. Um, yeah. We could we could have probably made about three or four dollars. Oh, nice. There you go. That's great. So, yeah, look. great. All right, well, th- 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 there we go. I mean, we what do we do with that $3, $4? Is the question. You can buy an iced tea. Yeah, that, yeah throw back in the first episode, <laughs> eh? <laughs> and we can share it. We can we get can a straw share. each. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, definitely not end of podcast conversation. We'll leave it there. <laughs> I think everyone enjoyed it. Yeah. Anyway, cool. uh, email address is midnightconversationspodcast at gmail dot com. Um, we'll uh, we'll come back with another episode at some point within the next uh, three six months. Of, six to twelve months. I feel like it's a fair time. <laughs> six to twelve months. <laughs> yeah, we'll cool. see how it goes. See you then. <laughs> Bye. See you next time. Bye.